Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to episode 75 of Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast about inspiring you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. In this episode, we've got Lisa Reynolds joining us, and she's going to talk about her journey from being a dishwasher and a young mom to now being the vice president of talent management for Christus Health. She's going to share with us some tips on how you personally can grow into your leadership role. She also will share a common pitfall that new leaders run into, a common rut, if you will. And then we're going to talk about a a group she volunteers with called Back on Your Feet and how she plays a role in helping the the homeless get back on their feet and rebuilding their lives. This is a great story. You don't want to miss it. And here we go. All right. Welcome back, Brandon. How have you been on this fine coastal area town place? It's, It's Groundhog Day. The day we're recording is Groundhog Day. Oh, that's true. And he saw his shadow, so we're going to have like six more weeks of 75-degree weather, apparently, okay. in Corpus Christi. And also, if we screw up this interview, then we just repeat it over and over again until we get it right. We'll right? play the same interview for the next six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> then Bill Murray says, no, that's my movie. Move on. All right. So we have with us somebody I highly respect, Lisa Reynolds. She is a leadership coach out of the Dallas area. How are you, Lisa? I'm doing great this evening, but it's 49 degrees here in Dallas. Oh, man. I know it's a chilly, what, 68 over here in Corpus Christi? I think it was like upper 60s or something like that. We had a cool front go through, apparently, sometime this afternoon, and it dropped from like 75 to like 68. (laughs) Yeah, our three-day winters. So, Lisa, one thing I love to ask all of our guests, uh, especially ever since the movie uh, Bridget Jones's Baby came out, is a game I call uh, Six Degrees of Separation Fact or Fiction. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you how you're connected to a particular celebrity. And then after you tell us how you're connected to that celebrity, Brandon has to guess if what you just told us is fact or fiction. And then you'll let us know if Brandon's correct or incorrect. And right now he's like on a three episode losing streak. He's, he's been fooled like three times, even though all three of them actually said my cousin's brother. That's his kryptonite, I think. So you say cousin's brother, you, you have like a 90% chance. Yeah. All right. So. Here we go. Six degrees of separation, fact or fiction. Lisa, tell us how you were connected with Renee Zellweger, the one and only Renee Zellweger. The one and only. So did you know she went to high school in Katy, Texas? I did. And that she was a cheerleader there? Yes. You knew that? I did. I lived in Houston eight years, and my son, when he was in high school, dated a cheerleader. And if you've ever done that, you have to... Cheerleaders go to this convention and they have competition and they scream and yell for 12 hours. And <laughs> um, since I love my son, I took him there so he could see his girlfriend. And the screaming and the yelling gave me such a headache. I thought I was going to throw up. So I had to go out into the foyer and I bumped into this other woman that looked like she was about to throw up too. And we talked a little bit and then I went back in and then all of a sudden I hear this commotion about, did everybody see Renee? And that was her, and I didn't even realize it. But I, so I never got to talk to her, but I bumped into her. There you go. So I'm going to have to think that's true because I know that she grew up in Katy. I know she's my age. So she probably would have been there while your son and girlfriend and stuff, she would have been out, not as a cheerleader. So I'm going to say true. Lisa? 
That is so false. <laughs> you had the Katie thing. And I was like, okay, I should have went back to you said that you moved here. You didn't say anything about living in Houston before. And now all of a sudden you spent eight years in Houston. In well, I store. did actually spend eight years. She did. Yes. Before Dallas, she worked in our system office in Houston. Well, full disclosure, I looked her up real quick. Renee, just to be, I'm <laughs> like, is there any connection to Spokane, Washington? Oh, why? <laughs> but there wasn't. Oh, yeah. Good shot. Good try there, Brandon. Uh, and this is the second time somebody has shared with us that they personally bumped into Renee. Right. Uh, so Lisa, we were talking before the, we started recording. You mentioned you originally hail from Washington, the, the northwestern state of Washington. You eventually wound up in Dallas, Texas as a uh, vice president of a talent management division that drives a lot of leadership development, that drives a lot of employee engagement type of programs. Uh, fill us in how you got from Washington to here in three minutes. Okay. <laughs> three minutes. Wow. <laughs> or six or ten. <laughs> well, you know, I um, graduated from high school in Cheney, Washington, which is right out of Spokane, and I went to college majoring in accounting my first year. Oh, wow. Awesome. Jerry, you probably can't imagine me being an accountant. <laughs> no, I cannot because personality-wise, you're at the other end of that spectrum. Right. Yes. And I hated college, so I dropped out and I got married at 19, had a child at 20. Oh, wow. We moved to Gillette, Wyoming because there was a big oil boom. Awesome. Um, was in a, a marriage that probably should have never happened for 21 years. Oh, that's where I got into healthcare was in Wyoming. I went to Bossier City to work at another hospital, and Christus bought that hospital. So that's how I got into Christus Health. Um, I was doing patient advocacy, patient relations, mm-hmm. solving you know patient concerns, trying to improve service and learn all about hospital operations. And I found out that what I loved about my job was helping leaders coach their team members to provide better service or have better interactions with themselves um, as a team or with physicians. And I was just drawn to the leadership part of that. And getting into our high potential program at work, I got to serve on a team for how we could better train leaders within Christus because we didn't have anything at the time for leaders and sort of created my own job at the corporate office and just went from there. I love that because the best way to get out of a rut really is to create your own future. It's like, well, I'd love to do this, but there's not any. Nobody's hiring. Nobody wants me to do that. It's like create it yourself. Yeah. And the rut that I was in, you know, I dropped out of college after my first year and got married and we were so poor. Nobody would ever think that looking at me. They think, oh, you've had this privileged life. We were on food stamps. We were so poor back then. And I wasn't working right after my son was born, and my husband got injured playing flag football. <laughs> oh, not from the job, but from flag football. Sounds like something guys would do. And so so we could continue to pay the bills. I went and worked in this restaurant as a dishwasher, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this this is a big red. I don't want to be doing this <laughs> in my life. So that's when I decided I've got to go back to school and get my degree. So I felt like I went back to school my whole life. Wow. That's How old awesome. were you when you went back to school to get your degree? That was the accounting degree, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Not accounting, no. Let's see. I was in my 20s when I went back and got my associate degree in Wyoming. And then I went and got my bachelor's there. And then when we moved to Shreveport, I went to LSU Shreveport. 
I got my master's, but I didn't start my doctorate till I was I was forty four. So wow. So anyone listening saying, "But I'm too old, I can't go do it." And it's like you, right. you not only dropped out of college, but you hit rock bottom and then bounced all the way back up doing masters and then going to get your doctorate. Right. So you know to say. I'm too old or I'm too poor. I never knew how I was going to pay for my degrees, but I would just jump off and do it. And there was always a way. Wow. It's very similar to Lee Cockrell's story going from somebody who worked in the food business, you know, restaurants mm-hmm. to a vice president role in, in a lifetime. And I mean, your life, you still got plenty of life ahead of you. I did that. So, uh, <laughs> well, I love that. So, you know, yeah. like he said, a million dollars worth of, uh, experience. You know, and then $2 million worth of experience. You learn something everywhere you are. And it doesn't have to be a degree, but at least learn wherever you are, being dishwasher or looking for a role to create. Right. But, yeah, it was very humbling experience washing dishes. (laughs) (laughs) It it really is. I remember, uh, gosh, there was a a job I had at a restaurant, and they put me on a late-night shift. And it was where, on Saturday night, that's where all the drunk folks came out of the bars came to this restaurant and they were like demanding free food. It was in a rough part of town. So demanding free food, free drinks and free everything. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm just the guy who greets you and sits you down. I'm not even allowed to like take orders right now. And, and here's this guy like threatening to beat me up if I don't give him a, a free drink. And I'm sitting there thinking, this isn't worth it. Minimum wage? Nope, not. And yeah. I remember washing dishes like 45 minutes ago at home, I was having to load the dishwasher. Yeah. So I, I've been there and I wasn't paid at all. Believe me. <laughs> so I did you get dinner. So one of the coolest jobs I've ever had. What? At the, the year I went to college when I thought I was going to be an accountant, I was a police dispatcher at night from midnight till eight. Wow. That would be fun. It's fun. Like one Adam 12. <laughs> that is cool. So, you know, like police codes in Wyoming. That's what you're saying. I used to, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Say the whole alphabet with their, you know, Adam, boy, David, Charles. Oh, <laughs> there man. you go. So you ought to add that. You ought to add that to your list of things you wouldn't know about me just by looking at me when that question ever comes up, because that is not something I would ever expect from your background. Is police dispatcher? That's kind of yeah. cool. What is that? There's a game. You know, there you you name three facts, and one of them is true, and you got to figure out which one in the moment. Two is. truths, one lie. There you go. <laughs> we should so, play that game. So you yeah. went to Shreveport to go to school. Were you still working with Christus at that point? That's where she started. That's where you started? Yeah. I actually was working for the city of Bossier at the time, and then Christus bought us with city-owned hospital. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So when did you decide that there was a posi- there was a need, so you were going to create that position and build it up into what it is now? When did I decide? <laughs> or how did you decide? Because my... My thinking is there's somebody listening and, and they're, they're aware that something's bothering them. They're aware that there's a lack of leadership. And I, I've always said this real leaders can't survive in an environment where there's not leadership because we just, we naturally float to the front. Even if we don't want to, we're like, I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to run this, but we just naturally do because it bothers us that there's not real leadership. And so I think that's why somebody sitting there listening to this going, that's my company. I want real leadership. How do they go from maybe they're a real low ranking dishwasher type? but they want to eventually be in a position of leadership and authority. How do they go from point A to point B? Well, first of all, they have to believe in themselves. There you go. One of the things I love about what I do is helping people find um, their unique strengths in them, that they can be that confident person and, you know, take risks. 
and say, I want to learn this, or I would like to take on this responsibility so their career grows and grows. Be comfortable with not knowing. If somebody says, can you help with this? It's sure. And then go figure out what the heck it is, even if you don't know. You know, I always say, pay attention to leaders. Uh, the ones that are bad teach you the most. <laughs> so I'm really learning a lot in my job right now is what we're saying. For <laughs> Jerry, you're teaching us. And, you know, I've had some really bad leaders that in my previous careers. And it's like, if I ever get a chance to be a leader, I'm so not going to be like that. That's part of what we've talked about in the past, too, is everybody's going to have a bad boss. Everybody's going to have coworkers you don't like. You're going to be in a neighborhood or an environment that you're just not happy in. Take those experiences, too. Those are great learning experiences. I, I've said a million times, I'm the father I am because my father was the father he was. He wasn't that great, so it made me be a better father. I kind of now go left every time he went right and go right every time he went left, but I learned from that. So you can take that experience and use it for something great. Exactly. The other thing I was just going to say is there's kind of that sweet spot for people. You know, it's finding what you love. I don't ever feel like I'm going to work. So if you can find what you love and you're good at it and there's a need in the company, it's just amazing what you can do. And you have to look for that need. I I think sometimes we wait around for somebody to come down from on high and say, okay, I'm going to make you senior VP of something. It's like that really never happens. You have to find the need and start filling it now. And then eventually they just give you the job or they pay you the money or give you the authority because you've earned it rather than just wait for it to come to you. Go make it happen. Yeah. How can you add value? How can you solve problems? Even if you're not in a leadership position, people notice. And that for me, and I say this to my kids a lot, starts with you see a piece of paper on the floor, pick it up. You know, you see a door open, close it, a light on, turn it off. They, people notice you doing things like that, even if it's not in your strict job description, but you're just kind of generally always available to help. And the higher ups notice that I know you're a guy or a girl that I can depend on. So I'm more willing to give you a project or a task of some kind. Well, we were saying Jerry's almost a cowboy fan. And that's (laughs) why people made such a big deal of Dak picking up that paper because not everybody picks up their own trash. That's true. That's true. And memorized the plays and executed them. And so, yeah, (laughs) it was really neat. Most backup quarterbacks get pummeled, and Dak Prescott got in there and shined. He did. If it wasn't for those pesky Packers, you know, just. Yeah. I had to talk to a lady from Wisconsin uh, two days ago, and she asked where I was. And I said, I'm actually in Corpus Christi. I'll bet you're a Cowboys fan. I go, yeah. (laughs) Where are you at? Wisconsin. I said, all right, well, been good talking to you. I don't want to talk to you anymore. (laughs) I know where this conversation's going. We're done. Uh, Now. Historically, I've been a 49ers fan, and the Packers have not been friends to me either in decades past. So, anyway. So, tell us a little bit about what you do now, Lisa. What What is your day's days consist of? My day consists of running on a treadmill and feeling like a gerbil. No. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people heard that and said, wait, that's my job. That's what I do. <laughs> it feels like that since the holidays. We've got a lot going on at work. My days filled with either a back-to-back meetings or sessions with a group of leaders or working with the team. But it's all about helping people be more effective, having more confidence. And a lot is about just helping them understand what their gifts are and being authentic. Right. So a lot of 
new leaders get stuck in a rut, especially first-time leaders. You know, I've got to know all the answers. I've got to tell you what to do. I can't admit I don't know. I can't admit um, you might do this better. I messed up. So it's just helping people uncover that it's okay to be real and just be yourself with the team. Um, Jerry knows I, I screw up all the time. <laughs> And, and people love she that. She hides people, it really well, by the way. <laughs> people want to follow a real leader. They don't want to follow a leader that's always right. They want to follow a leader that's always trying to be right, you know, that's working towards that. That's exactly right. You wouldn't think there'd be very, very many emergencies in talent management <laughs> organization, but some leaders will come running in and I've got to go have this conversation. I don't know what to do or I just messed up. Help me fix it. So it's great. Every day is different. That sounds like a lot of fun where you're constantly, you, you, you have your day planned, but your day is always changing because lives are just what they are. You don't know who's quitting, who's, who's starting, who's falling down, who needs what. And so you just get to go in there and do that every day. And that makes it exciting. Right. And I know a lot of leadership, you know, books or philosophies, you know, don't be friends with the people that you lead or it blurs the line of how to hold people accountable. I really feel you've got to know the whole person and, and just love the person because they understand you care about them. And then that makes work so much more fun and people work harder when you truly care about them. Absolutely. And, and as a society, we've kind of gotten real PC where I'm not supposed to ask about you or, you know, in any way have a personal conversation with other people. But I absolutely agree. It's about relationships because you're not going to follow me if we don't have a real relationship because you're not going to trust me. You know, our team, there's 23 of us and we know so much about each person. And I love every single one of them. And I, you know, I've said that in front of the whole group and you know, there's some days I may not like somebody, but I always love them. Well, you probably just don't know that much about Jerry yet. But once you find out, when when my movie comes out in 2018. Is that the book <laughs> I'm helping you write? Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> it's a series of just bloopers over uh, and over. How many miles did we walk run together, Jerry? Uh, 4.86. Painful. Well, not painful because of the company, but painful because it was 4.86 miles. <laughs> and I thought I could run them all. <laughs> Degree day, it felt like. <laughs> oh yes, it was a hot day over a bridge. That was the very first part of that leg. Was over a bridge. We're talking about Beach to Bay. It's mm-hmm. a, mar- a relay marathon, and Lisa not only uh, came down to run her leg, she wanted a chance to actually connect with me and, and get to know me because I think by then I'd been on the team about a year and a half, and every attempt Lisa had made to connect with Jerry got hijacked by somebody else in some way, shape or form, whether it was a, I forgot about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, how is Lisa going to connect with one of the folks on the team? She hasn't had a chance to connect with after a year and a half. I'm just going to run with him for four and a half miles. Plus he's not going anywhere. I know I can run better than him. And she knew you well enough to know four miles with yeah. you would be a long time. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, it was a really cool, you know, just, we didn't talk a whole lot cause I was winded, but <laughs> Like, it was just, it showed me so much about her leadership style, too. Like, I'm here with you. I actually heard about you, Brandon, while we were running and walking. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mentioned how you were cheering us on from your living room. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> because at that time, I wasn't a runner at all. So, yeah. I, I didn't do Beach to Bay or anything. So, that that definitely would have been me from the living room. Yes. Because <laughs> I think you went live that morning or something on uh, Facebook or yes. something. Facebook Live from the car, just letting everybody know how I, I hate running. It was like, <laughs> if it wasn't the number one reason why I left the Army, it was number two. 
Yep. Like it was, it was right up there. Family being closer to family was one of the top two. So I can't tell you which one was the number one reason. One of them was. But, but those moments are so important because you do actually get to know the person. You know, you probably hired the person because they could do certain things, but hiring somebody for their skills and then knowing their personality are two different things. And, and I've seen highly skilled people that you just can't get along with. They don't gel in the team. And right. you know, talking about the Cowboys, their sports are, are great analogies for that because you might have a great player that just can't fit into that team and then the team doesn't work. So you've got to get to know each other to know the likes and dislikes. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Exactly. And what a, here's a quote for you, Jerry, for your daughter. Awesome. A quote that I love is, you can't influence somebody that you're judging. Wow, that's really good. And we spend a lot of time helping other teams that we also do it on our team. You know, what's different about everybody? And even those those differences may irritate us. It's what makes us strong. I like that because I just uh, took a new job in August and took over this t- uh, team of developers and coders and programmers. Very different from me. I'm not a, a techie kind of guy. I'm, I'm a little bit in it, but I'm an amateur compared to these guys. But one of the first things I asked them was, how do you like to be rewarded? Because some people want, you know, a, a certain they want money or they want time or they want recognition or whatever. Everybody's a little different. And I wanted to know before I rewarded them with something that they hated because I had a boss once that gave me uh, hockey tickets and I hate hockey. I don't get hockey. I don't see any point of hockey whatsoever. And but he was my boss. So you kind of had to take the tickets and then you had to go sit at a hockey game and be miserable. But he thought he was rewarding you. And so I was asking the guys, how do you like to be rewarded? And they said, we don't want any public recognition. Don't don't make us stand up. Don't have anybody point at us, clap for us or anything like that. Just tell us we're doing a good job and leave us alone. OK, piece of cake. I can do that. As you asked, that's yeah. great. And some people don't take that step of just find out, you know, it's kind of like the love languages and, and just getting to know your your spouse or your kids or your your friends. Just find out what they like before you just assume, well, everybody likes this. So I give everybody, you know, cigars for, for Christmas. And everybody's like, I don't want a cigar. Why would you give me a cigar? So it is about the relationships, how you get to know the people that you work with. Exactly. So how many people do you lead now there in Dallas? I have six people that report directly to me, but indirectly through the whole team, there's 23 of us. Yeah, we do an annual uh, associate engagement survey. And uh, just within the HR umbrella, I think we were like number one as far as engagement scores. And it kind of ticked off the rest of the uh, teams. (laughs) We hate Uh, them. (laughs) Competitive. Yeah, Yeah. just a little bit. Just a little bit. So the recruiters in in the area where I work... uh, they started installing video camera webcams 
for their virtual meetings. And half of them were like, man, why are we getting this? Talent management, it's their fault. They're, they're so connected. And I just did air quotes <laughs> if you can't see that. And you, you can if you're listening to the podcast. I said, you, you can hear it in my voice. I did air quotes. You know, they're connected because they can see each other on their virtual meetings. So now we got to be connected. And it was so funny. I mean, it just, people started bringing makeup so they could look good on camera. <laughs> I got to wear a shirt to work. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, it, it's one of the neat things about working on this team is, is that importance on um, connecting with each other with relationships. Uh, we have a couple of introverts on the team and they said they have never hugged as much in their whole lives as they did in the first week or two on the job with us. And (laughs) and so up where Lisa works, they are total huggers. And I guess the further you get away, we get closer to the handshake, but (laughs) that's funny. Well, you never know nowadays and, you know, because you don't know what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And in an environment, especially when it comes to work, it's like, you know, we are even allowed to high five now and you just, so that's why you have to get to know the people. And then you can, like you said, you can't influence those that you're judging. You, you have to get to know them first before you can have any influence over them. Now, shifting gears just a little bit, uh, we talked earlier about doing a beach today run and Lisa, you were a huge runner. You used to do marathons until I guess a, a hip surgery of some kind. Uh, and now you do like half marathons until you're healed back to health. Uh, <laughs> there might be some fiction in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to You won the this. Boston Marathon? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, this tale gets taller and taller every time I tell it. Uh, but you do some volunteer work with a group in Dallas called Back on Your Feet. I thought it was just another running club until I looked into it a little bit deeper, what Back on Your Feet is, and that blew my mind. So why don't you, can you tell us more about Back on Your Feet and what they do and then how you've been involved with them? And Sure. I love Back on My Feet. So I kind of have this personal philosophy about be authentic, do what you love, and then pay it forward so you create a legacy. So I was looking for volunteer work when I got to Dallas And on the news, they were showing this member that had graduated from Back on My Feet. And Back on My Feet is a program to combat homelessness with a component of running in there. And so the members, they run three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 545 in the morning. And then they have to have volunteers that run with with them so nobody runs alone. Oh, wow. And then on Saturdays, all the, the three different groups that there are in Dallas get together. Those that want to run longer run on Saturday. So I run on Saturday mornings with the group, or I did until September when I had my hip surgery on my torn tendon. Uh, But what is unique about Back on My Feet is at a morning run, you can't tell who the homeless people are versus who the members are, because when you're in your running clothes, as you know, everybody's on the same field or we all have equal footing. Oh, yeah. But, um, So it's very interesting. People that are homeless, they had very successful lives and careers, but because of one bad decision or circumstance, you know, became homeless. And that could happen to any of us just by circumstances. So it's so rewarding. And even when I was recovering from my surgery and I went out walking the first time, I it was probably two weeks after my surgery and I was walking a 20 minute mile because I was (laughs) you know just dragging my right leg along that's my fast pace by the way <laughs> i was gonna say you you just broke jerry's heart because he intentionally broke 20 minutes and Those said that i see <laughs> it's okay. anyway, 
members were so inspiring to me. A couple of them said, you know, we're going to stay with you because you stayed with us as we were learning to run. Wow. Um, so we're going to be there for you. It was very touching. Wow. That's now, how, awesome. do they, how do they find the program and become a part of it? The homeless so the, folks. Yeah, the staff of Back on My Feet goes out to the homeless shelters or, you know, on the streets downtown and recruits members. Okay. And then, they have certain stages of the program, you know, for the first 30 days, they have to meet certain criteria and then they can start the running. Wow. And who came up with this idea? It was started back on the East Coast. Um, the CEO of the company just felt that through running and building community, it would help support people as they learned new life skills. Wow. And we're actually doing our annual fundraising breakfast on February 13th here in Dallas that they do those at all the different chapters. There's 11 different chapters across the U S so it's still growing. Wow. That's really impressive. I didn't know about that. And Jerry, guess what? I just, I think I told you, I just found out Monday from the doctor. I can start running again. Oh, yay. There you go. She's going to pummel us on Fitbit again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little obsessive about that. And, And we might get you down here for run amok in April. Yes. I'm considering it seriously. It, it'll be fun. I mean, if Thunder Dash is any indication of what these mud runs are like, it mm. it's just messy and it's fun. And I didn't do this one last year, but I heard that uh, it is a lot of fun. That is just really messy and just everybody's having a blast, laughing and just. And we had a blast up there at Thunder Dash, so I can't imagine how much fun this is going to be. So if I do it, I get a T-shirt. You do, there yes, you yep. Just as we promised in uh, episode seventy-three. So if you run this with us, you get to be on the rut t-shirt and we're probably going to have to up our t-shirt budget because Junior League of Corpus Christi started advertising our episode where we say <laughs> we'll give out a free t-shirt if you run with us. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Well, Jerry might need a raise. <laughs> I think you should ask Mark Cuban to sponsor your t-shirt. Yes, you yeah, met him. You Brandon, go. you yeah. met him. Remember me go. from that time like 12, 13 years ago? I don't even remember how long ago it was. <laughs> He's like, you, security, <laughs> trace this call. Yeah. Well, it was the old Texas stadium. It wasn't at the new stadium. So it was the last game against Philadelphia there, Monday night game, and uh, Texas stadium. <laughs> so however long ago that was. I want to keep a tally how many times you mentioned that story in an episode. I know, uh. I, I know famous people. They don't know me, but yeah. <laughs> And so, um, back on your feet, though, like it's uh, the only thing that I think, if I understand correctly, that's being provided to the participants is a, a place to run, safe space to run, uh, maybe some shoes. Is that right? Some running shoes? They earn their shoes, they yeah. Earn their shoes. Okay. How do they earn their shoes? If um, they consistently meet the three runs per week for a certain time period. Oh, okay. Ah. They track their miles, and so they get shirts. That says how many miles they've ran. They have resume writing classes they go to, different things like that. And there are certain organizations across the U.S. that hire the graduates, and they say they're just wonderful employees. Wow. wow. So it's kind of almost a mentor-type program because you're running alongside them and, and sharing your views and kind of in, encouragement and those kind of things right. with them. So I get to coach while I'm running. It's really cool. That's awesome. It's like killing two birds with one stone right there. Oh, three, because you're paying it forward, you're mentoring, and you're running all at the same yep. time. And a, a great cause, too, because you're making somebody's life literally better, not just... It is, and I get way more out of it than they do. I, every Saturday, you know, if I've had a really bad week or, you know, bad time in my life, I go there and I just come out feeling wonderful. 
That's so true. We say that all the time. I've never met someone who serves consistently that doesn't get way more out of it than they give. And especially if you've had a a week where you're like, well, this happened at my job and I'm kind of mad at my boss or, you know, my my car is having an issue or something happened at my house. And then you go serve somebody who literally has nothing or, you know, next to nothing and put your life in perspective. It's like, okay, I need to quit complaining and be blessed and be happy and be grateful and move forward. Yeah, you can't be depressed when you're serving someone else. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. This was this was great to meet you. I've heard a lot about you, too. So this was great to get to know you and, and hear a little bit more about your story. And I can't wait for you to come down for our mud run. Now it sounds like I need to be there. Absolutely. We, we've told millions of people. We have millions of listeners. So we, we have the equivalent of probably like CNN or somebody. I mean, I would think. I don't know. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> I, I, I may be fudging those numbers. So I don't know. Uh, that tail got taller than the telly tail about <laughs> Lisa's running with a bionic leg. Running for Boston. I yes. did do five marathons. She did. There you go. Yeah. That's uh, four more than you've done. Or no, that's six more than you've done. A whole lot more. Yeah. I've done zero <laughs> marathons. So. <laughs> Uh, now, Lisa, if somebody wants to reach out to you to have you speak at their event or consult or anything like that, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Probably the best way is on LinkedIn. Awesome. Cool. And I'm there, uh, just Lisa Reynolds in Dallas, or I'm actually on Twitter, believe it or not. I'm kind of a, a social media um, laggard. <laughs> and I'm at Pumped Coach. At Pumped Coach on Twitter. So so do you mostly watch or do you actually tweet too? I'm mostly a voyeur, but I <laughs> times. I actually got onto Twitter just to keep up with the news and it's been interesting. Awesome. Well and we'll get the links to your LinkedIn and your Twitter uh onto the show notes. I believe this will be episode seventy five. There you go. Yes. Our seventieth seventy fifth. No. I think we're supposed to give each other like a piece of gold or wood or something. I don't know what the gift is sure. for 75. 75th anniversary. There goes the t-shirt budget. <laughs> there goes the t-shirt budget. <laughs> it's a good thing our wives don't listen. They won't know how much money we're spending. This will be the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, what? Gold? T-shirts? How what? are we getting everybody t-shirts? Yeah. <laughs> eh, don't worry about uh, it. Oh, yeah. Liv's convinced you're paying for all of it. <laughs> Junior League. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You just have to say it's going to happen, and then somehow it will. There you go. That's that's been our whole life. Believe me, we we we've talked about it, and then next thing you know, something will fall into place, and we just do it. And and I'm I'm a huge believer. I know Jerry is too. It's like you you just if this is really what God wants to happen, it's going to happen whether we get in the way or not. And so we just kind of roll with it. And somehow we're going to end up at Run Amuck with, you know, I don't know how many people, but we're going to find T-shirts for all of them. So it's going to work out. It will. Just tell us in advance so we can actually have a t-shirt there for you. That's what I'm saying to everybody listening. (laughs) Yeah. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to share us with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. You can get in touch with Lisa by just going to our show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 075. And we'll have her links to her LinkedIn profile as well as her Twitter profile. Also in those show notes is information on how you can get a free Beyond the Rut t-shirt in 2017 so check out those show notes check out the links and follow through on those action items we'll hook you up with a t-shirt thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode
You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.